Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Thomas Partey. Hosted forward towards Tomiyasu. And Kai Havertz. And Martinelli is in! The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a handbrake off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast, brought to you by The Athletic. A special day at the Emirates yesterday, as we finally, finally got the better of Manchester City for the first time since 2015. Santi Cazorla and Olivier Giroud scored, remember? <laughs> Away at the Etihad, 2-0. A defensive masterclass yesterday, 1-0 to the Arsenal. William Saliba got home, emptied his pockets, wallet, keys, phone, and there's Erling Haaland. There he is. Uh, the same could also be said for Gabriel Magalhaes. Uh, we'll talk more about that shortly. Before we do, Amy wrote a great piece, which we will talk about as well, about the emotion and the controlled emotion in yesterday's victory and uh, got various comments on the piece, one of which was from Sharif M., who said that Declan Rice is like a vacuum cleaner. And Amy, you did say how much you liked it and said, can I borrow it? <laughs> Actually, I'm willing to pay, you know. And, uh, yeah, I paid yeah. good money for an, uh, a metaphor <laughs> like that. It was really very, very fine. Thank you, Sharif. It was fantastic. But we were thinking uh, about comparing our players to household items uh, because I think, Sharif, you're absolutely right. Declan Rice is like a vacuum cleaner. So we're wondering what other... Household items or objects around the house generally we can compare our players to. We thought we'd go to Amy first. As Adrian said, let's see the standard she sets. <laughs> and then we'll see what we've got. What you got, Amy? Well, I think there's a variety of items that could be applicable to William Saliba. Possibly a trampoline in the garden that you might just bounce off if your name was Erling Haaland. But I've come up with the fridge freezer, more specifically, maybe one of those big chest freezers, you know, absolutely massive. If you try and move it, you're going to probably hurt yourself and uh, it's ice cold. Yeah, I, I like it, Adrian. She has set the standard there. <laughs> and I have to say... It's not as good as the vacuum cleaner. Sharif is winning I know, this one. No I, Sharif, uh, do you, whatever happens, I don't think we'll come up with anything better. But also I should say that Amy has taken <laughs> pretty much all my ideas there straight away. <laughs> but that's all right. That's all right. Adrian, what have you got? I've, I've got three. A similar theme. Um, yeah, the iron is Saliba because he irons out all the creases whenever he plays. Um uh, Gabriel Jesus is the kettle because he quickly gets us up to boiling point um, with with his electricity up front. And, and Jorginho's aircon because he just cools us down, doesn't he? When things get a little bit heated, he just cools things down and slows things down. So there you go. Nice, nice. I mean, again, uh, also a couple of ideas I had there. I've got Ben White as the fridge, just the coolest uh, thing in the house, really. Never thought it was, just does his <laughs> job. And uh, beautiful yesterday. And a word on the nutmeg on uh, Jeremy Dunn. Yesterday, just an absolutely beautiful moment. Uh, and amongst many 
beautiful moments. 1-0 to the Arsenal. My mate texted me after the game, you've done the entire league a favour, fuck them. I mean, I thought that was just a beautiful text and I've really enjoyed that. Also, a shout out to the three A's. Uh, these were three lads I met before yesterday's game. Uh, I would name check you lads, but I'm terrible with names. Uh, but all their names began with A. And we chatted in a coffee shop next to the Emirates and they looked how I felt, right, which was hopeful but slightly sick, I, I essentially. I mean, we all looked at each other like, oh, my God, we're going to put ourselves through it. And they did put us through it, but it was controlled emotion. Amy, me and Jay, our producer, had a little text chat after the game and I said, controlled performance, beautifully controlled performance. And your piece talked about that. I mean, expand on what you wrote about because control is the word this year, isn't it, really? Yeah, well, I think when you compare it to, you know, certain big games, particularly last season, there was quite a lot of criticism and observations that, you know, people weighing in saying that Arsenal were too emotional. And it was an interesting one because I think that emotion was also necessary. And it's a really hard thing to quantify and measure and say, OK, you can have this much emotion, but if you don't have enough, it's not good enough. And if you do have too much, it's also going to cause you problems. It's almost like a sweet spot that you need. And I think Arsenal did, you know, they were emotionally driven yesterday, but it was just the right amount where they were highly motivated, highly concentrated, and they shared possession fairly equally with Man City over the course of the game. They had quite long spells where they looked almost comfortable, Arsenal. Other periods where they just had to hang on in there a little bit. But nobody lost their head. Everybody kept doing the things that were in the plan, some of which were, as Mikel Arteta said later, quite frustrating to uh, the fans. You know, it's it's one of the key differences between being a fan and being the people that are doing the job. Is that you're like, come on, urgency, get up there quicker, and all that stuff that you, you're trying to encourage them to do. And yet the game plan was absolutely built on being secure, not making stupid mistakes, not giving away a goal because they're a hard team to beat in any scenario, but they're a heck of a lot harder to beat if they're in front. Yeah. And the way that Arsenal have been giving goals away at home, you know, it was imperative. I actually bumped into Gary Lewin before the game, the uh, Arsenal physio for many, many years. And he he, he called it perfectly. He said, nil-nil half-time. He said, let's keep it nil-nil for as long as possible and then... You know, the longer the game goes on, see if we can uh, can get the goal. And that was exactly what happened. And it seemed like the perfect, perfect way to manage this situation. So bravo, all concerned. Quite. I mean, Adrian, uh, Amy touched on it there about some of the pundits last year about talking about the emotion. And it was brilliant last year. Let's not let's not forget how much fun we had and how much of a roller coaster it was. But there is something very cold about the best teams, the way they kill teams off, the way the way they just control the tempo and the pace of the game, it just feels more grown up, doesn't it? We've said this before, but that was a grown up performance yesterday. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ahead of the game, I talked about these exact same things about being ice cold and being calmer and being a little bit more cautious than normal because this is Manchester City. Yeah. At the end of the game, I was using, I found myself using the word mature a lot and it's the same, isn't it? It's, it's grown up, it's mature. We've learned from, you know, the mistakes that we made against City previously. So yeah, I think last season, the fire and the excitement and the electricity was perfect for us. We needed it to get to where we got to. And now that we're at a certain level with, 
even better players and we've got more confidence, we can now go out there and control matches and champions, various champions down the years that these are the kind of matches they always win. They always, there are so many boring wins from, from the best team in the country over the course of a season and people end up forgetting them, but you, you can't afford to make mistakes against the very best opponents. And, and we were so concentrated in this game. It was really, really impressive. I do, I do think that Pep Guardiola got it wrong with his starting lineup. I do think that they were just insanely narrow. Manchester City with Bernardo trying to be Rodri, which is never going to be, is he? And, you know, so they had the three in the middle. Foden and Alvarez out, nominally out wide, but they're in the middle. Everything was was down that central spine and it made it easier, I think, for Arsenal to to block up spaces and, and to be very, you know, well organised. So the way they set up helped us, but it was a really, really um, diligent, mature performance. Yeah, it, it wasn't exciting. <laughs> Not really. I found myself, come on, take them on, do something. You know, I think we all did. We wanted a bit more drive and panache, but... You know, eventually we found that moment, got a bit of luck, didn't we? Amy, you mentioned it yesterday when you talked about when Mikel Arteta was in the press conference talking about David Raya and how frustrated sometimes the crowd was getting because he was taking so long. Do we have to just calm ourselves down a little bit? Because Arteta basically went, well, you can boo me for that because those are his <laughs> instructions. And we are so keen, Adrian's just saying how keen we are to get on and the pace that we play the game at. But that's, Mikel Arteta wants us to do that, but only in moments. We can't do 100 miles an hour the whole game. Do we have to learn a different way of watching this team? I don't know. I mean, I suspect it's a bit horses for courses and that this kind of game is not going to be the blueprint for all Arsenal games going forward. I think it's a, a string to the bow. And I think for the for Mikel and the players to feel in their bodies, in their being, that they can make it work. They can succeed playing this way and they have nothing to be afraid of. That's just a, a huge, huge bonus for the evolution of this team. And, uh, you know, there will be games when this kind of approach is needed. And there will be other games where we've got to try and get up to speed, you know, 100 mile an hour at times, if possible. But spells in games, Amy, as well. Spells in games. Let's say, for instance, we get ourselves 2-0 up against a Liverpool or or whoever. Sometimes then you've got to to assess the situation and think, right, let's calm it down. Let's not make this an open game anymore. We've got our lead. Let's play like we did against City. You know, it's, it's great that we've done it and succeeded. Yeah. Because like you say, it's muscle memory, isn't it? Let's talk about some of the big personalities. And my God, there were quite a few. William Saliba won 100% of his duels, completed 97% of his passes against Man City, did not commit a single foul or get dribbled past once. And I think the 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 big one for me, I, I love this stat, Erling Haaland's XG uh, yesterday was 0.00. I mean, it couldn't have been any less. And we probably should talk about Gabriel Magalhaes as well, because what a pairing they are. He's managed 154 minutes, Erling Haaland, of football against Saliba and Gabriel so far this season. He's yet to have a single shot. Amy, I mean, we're running out of superlatives for William Saliba, but I the partnership is what I love. It was a weird experiment at the start of the season when Gabriel wasn't in the team, I think. But now they're together, you just think we have to have those two on the team sheet every time we play. Totally. 
it is a it, it's a lovely feeling of security, I think, to go out and have those two with rice and potentially party as well in front of them. Like, good luck, opposition, you know. <laughs> yeah. This is a really solid base. But I think it, what's lovely is that when you try and rewind and you think about that moment when Saliba's future at the club was so up in the air and so doubted and doubtful, that really what what changed everything, I think, was this combination with Gabrielle. I think in training, it was something that was tried out and they just instantly clicked. And that, in turn, sent Ben White out to right back. And suddenly you're looking at a completely different defensive vibe, let's just say. And so actually, in some ways, Arsenal probably owes Saliba still being here to Gabrielle as well, because it's the the way they dovetail, it's the qualities that they share, it's the understanding that is innate, it's the shared sense of loving defending that they both have with slightly different temperatures that they go about it. And I think in any defensive partnership, you 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 want to think that they're in it together and they look like they're in it together. And that gives you sort of somehow twice the power. If you give, you know, Gabrielle 10 out of 10 and Saliba 10 out of 10, well, somehow together they're 25 out of 20. If, if, Synergy I mean, is the word. Yeah, I, I've never been good at maths, but you, you, you get my point. But I, I, I mean, I just, just on Saliba, how many times have you watched the video clip of him and... Erling Haaland going shoulder to shoulder and three times this morning. Okay, all right. I think I'm, I think I might have beaten that, Adrian. Yeah. <laughs> I did watch it back this morning. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Sometimes in games you have moments that you know just exist within within its own time frame. It didn't, you know, how much did it affect the whole game? And you think back of highlights of the game. It's you know. It's not something that led to a goal or or led to a, a move or led to a card or anything like that. It was just a sort of second in time in the game, but it actually sort of sent out ripples. It's a statement, isn't it, Amy, really? It's a statement to go, you are not going to bash past us like you did last year. Mm. I mean, it really... Adrian, those moments, are they're huge. And, and I imagine on the pitch as well, they're huge uh, for the other players to see because we know how, what Erling Haaland can do. And William Saliba has basically gone, you're not doing that to me. Well, it was a shock to his system, I think, because how, how many defenders can, can match or maybe better Erling Haaland in the physicality stakes? I mean, I don't know whether I've seen it before. And and Saliba definitely outmuscled him in the game and he he just he, he had him under full control, didn't he? Along with Gabriel, who's who's really strong as well. I just think they're they're both so so big and powerful, but but also yeah, I think Amy's hit on it. They love defending. They're not it's not really about I know that he got ninety seven pass accuracy or whatnot, but then they're not showy centre backs, are they? That that it's about what they do on the ball. When you think of those two central defenders, you think stout defending, don't you? You won't get past me. That's that's what I think when it, when I when I see Gabrielle and, and Saliba. I love the meme. Did you see the meme of Gabrielle and Saliba as a, as a couple um, carrying the baby Harland uh, in, in a photo? I it was brilliant. But I'm liking it. I'm liking it. Um, I mean, I've got a note here about talking about. Um, how Mateo Kovacic should have seen red. 
I mean, we've talked a lot about poor refereeing decisions, and Michael Oliver is a, a supposedly one of our best refs. I mean, it should have been a red, shouldn't it, Adrian? Really? I mean, if not oh, yes. just for the one on, on Erdegaard, which was dark amber, I suppose one could say. Yeah, but then to do yeah. that to Declan Rice two seconds later and you're going, hang on a minute, isn't that the same bloke? How is he still on the pitch now? I, I could form an argument for, for it being a straight red, the, the initial one, because if it was down the shin, studs up down the shin, down the front of the leg, you get sent off. You just do. And... I think because because for some reason it's it's the calf, the heel, the Achilles, it's deemed less. I don't you couldn't know. Couldn't even but see that one coming. I mean, he obviously knows that someone's going to come in quite close behind him. But my, my frustration there was that, that I think the referee of the game was the only was one of the only people watching the game apart from us in the stand. Well, I I had a TV that I could look at. Amy probably did too. Um, we knew that it was worthy of a of a of a look, and. He wasn't sent there. That was that was a real frustration to me. But but what happened afterwards with the second foul, with the studs up again on Declan Rice, that is a dereliction of duty from Michael Oliver. There is no excuse for that. And and I do think that look, I would get rid of VAR full stop. Um, but seeing as we have it, I do think that that yellow cards should be looked at. You know, that or, or fouls should be looked at that that would would force a second yellow because that was that was so obvious. It was it was a complete let off, and he you know he he only got to see it at half time, didn't he, Oliver? He, he could see the mistakes that he'd made at half time. It doesn't doesn't seem right, really. No, it didn't matter because we won anyway. This is handbrake off the Arsenal podcast, brought to you by the Athletic. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. We were a bit uh, with the handbrake at time. Ian Stone, Amy Lawrence, and Adrian Clark here on the Athletics Arsenal podcast, Handbrake Off. Let's talk about Mikel Arteta's substitutions. Gabriel Martinelli at half-time for Leandro Trossard, who was a bit ineffectual. I mean, he wanted to play, Mikel Arteta said, in the post-game press conference. Well, he's been saying for a few weeks, I'm going to be there against City. And obviously everybody was saying, Gabby, will be too early for you. And yesterday he said, boss, I told you, I'm going to be ready for this. Amy, there's something lovely about hearing that, isn't there? The, how how keen he is to play, having not played, and I and I, I must admit, when he's tearing up the wing or tearing through the uh, through the middle, and I am I'm terrified because I'm thinking you your hamstring a few weeks ago. But that <laughs> energy that he's got transmits itself to the crowd and to the rest of the team. Well, I think pre-match there was a little bit of a. I felt like it was a little bit flat amongst the fan base because I think when people saw the team sheet and saw no Saka and no Martinelli starting that there was a little bit of a feeling of how can it be done without them I texted you that I texted you that and you said that's what you've been talking about as well (laughs) yeah and you know therefore I don't know if he hadn't have been fit enough to come on I'm not sure obviously he scored the goal so yeah but just generally when he came on there was um, a different kind of energy a different sort of target, that dynamism, uh, a completely new problem for Man City to, to worry about. I like the way that he occupied a few different spaces and ran into the middle quite a lot to get away from Carl Walker and find different different spaces. 
And look, he has always been and presumably always will be a very, very hungry player. You know, he plays every game as if he's desperate to make his mark. He plays every game as if like, I've been waiting for this moment, like God knows if I don't get it again, I've got to got to grab it. He seizes the day, he seizes the games, he seizes the moments. That's his personality on a football pitch. And it's a huge asset for Arsenal. Tactically, it was also a smart move. Now, I think Trossard has picked up an injury, but it wouldn't have surprised me if that was a tactical move either because it wasn't really working with Trossard. Um, what Martinelli did, because City had so many players down the middle, like as, as I just explained, no natural wingers at all, they relied on Walker and Gavardiol, believe it or not, who's a centre-back playing at left-back, to provide their, their width to stretch the play when they had the ball. Now, Martinelli comes on, what does Carl Walker do? He, he goes back a few yards, doesn't he? he? He He's occupied where he wasn't really occupied by, by Leandro Trossard, who sort of wanted to come inside as well. So I think that, that that worked ever so well for us. And and I love talking about the substitutes, taking it further to, to the goal. Obviously, they were all involved in the goal. That can't have happened ever, by the way. I mean, we haven't had four or five <laughs> subs for, uh, for that long anyway. <laughs> But all four subs involved in the goal. Yeah. Partey to Tommy, and we'll get to what, what he's doing there at that stage yeah. of the game, to Havertz to Martinelli <laughs> goal. I mean, that's got to be the first time that's ever happened. It might be. It really might be. I think Tommy was in the sort of inverted position in midfield. <laughs> On and, the edge of the penalty and, what, and he just thought... He just thought, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to run here. So what happened, looking back at that goal, and I've only had a brief chance to sort of look at it again... And what happened, I think, City was so deep, weren't they? They were very cautious and, and they made sure that there was no space in behind for us. Um, it was a rare occasion where their back four had actually pushed up quite high. So all three units were really close to each other. And fair play to, to Partey and Tomiyasu for recognising it that, in the yeah. moment. Yeah, so Partey thought, hang on a second, there's actually a bit of space here I can hit. And Tommy, at the exact same moment, thought, hang on a second, there's a bit of space I can run into here, finally. And they did it. And we turned defence into attack in, with one pass. And then obviously, you know, it was a nice nice interplay with, with Havertz and, and Martinelli. And it just goes to show that, you know, there are more than one way to score a goal. Sometimes it is it is wise to go from back to front with, with one pass. You've just got to sense the right moments to do it and... And that was great game intelligence from, from Partey and from Tomiyasu. I find it really interesting, Adrian, because like, you know, we're sitting here imagining, particularly after a game like yesterday, that it's all about control. They've got very specific instructions. You know, there's a bit of micromanaging going on. And we were talking before about that sort of slight friction between fans wanting players to, to take a risk and go for it a bit and step it up and the players feeling the need to do what they're told and, you know, stay on top of things. But as the team grows, that's the thing that's most interesting is how much latitude they have to make their own decisions on the pitch like that. I mean, even Arteta was asked, was laughing afterwards in the press conference about Tommy Asu being up there. You know, he said he brought him on to ostensibly Mark Doku, who then went over to the other well, side. The other side, yeah. And then, and then uh, so, oh, okay, so... I love that a player like Tomiyasu, who you think probably by nature is more conservative and more does what he told than some, you know, you can imagine Gabriel Jesus being a bit more, I'm going to just go with it. I'm going to do my thing. And it was Tommy who just, who gambled. 
who took that risk and who, you know, who, who absolutely burst forward at full, full pelt. And, and a great header, by the way. Uh, but I, I, I'm really interested to see how they work on that balance to kind of, you give them that freedom. I mean, someone like Arsene, for example, who would set a team up and then let them go out and play. And his whole philosophy was they should be able to make the right decisions on the pitch. I trust my players. I want them to, you know, go out there and choose what's the right thing to do in given moments. Because there's certainly the quality within the team to take risks and and be a bit bold and brave, but obviously at the right time. So as long as all the players understand that they've got that freedom, it's kind of on them. But if you see it, do it. Great. Fantastic. They were hard to break. They were hard to break down. Exactly. I mean, you know, but if you, you know, you've got to do something a bit different, haven't you? You've of course got you to have. Surprise and, and, them. And they did it. They did it at the right time. They did it perfectly. I would have liked to have seen a bit more yeah. during the game because I think we could have done. Yeah. But they were so quick to close off the spaces as soon as we got in and around their box. They swarmed. They're very them. well coached. Very very well They're coached team. Tommy, team. by the way. Yeah. Tommy uh, was interviewed. Uh, he said, if the manager told me to play out front, I would. Uh, so he made that run. Kai Havertz, by the way, with the uh, with a really lovely touch back. Alan Smith-esque, I thought. Reminded me of Smudger. <laughs> yeah, there was something about that. Holding it up and then lay it back. And and he seems happier in that position, basically. Occupying the centre-halves a little bit more. Adrian... He came on, he was, I mean, that's a proper impact substitution. Yeah, yeah, he's got to be happy. Yeah, he, obviously the previous Premier League game, he'd, he'd scored and, and they'd all sung his name. So, yeah, it's been a good couple of weeks. He can go off on international duty feeling better about himself. Yeah, I mean, the bottom line is he has looked better at actually up front than he has in midfield. Has. I did think Eddie worked so hard uh, in the game, but he didn't really get, any change out of City. One time he got inside, didn't he? Yeah, Diaz, and he had a shot. It, it was hard for him. It was hard going. I, I do think that Havertz maybe has a bit more presence there, and obviously a height factor. But yeah, got a word on Gabriel Jesus before we move mm. on. I think I think he produced a selfless performance because Gabriel Jesus all he wants to do is terrorise centre backs, and you have a look at his touch map. He played between the edge of the 18-yard box and the touchline the whole game. He stayed wide. He stayed on that right side to occupy Guardiola and he grafted and he tackled and he, and he ran and he ran some more and then he tackled again. And then every now and again, he did produce those little glimmers of magic, didn't he, to get him behind into the box. And it wasn't his fault that City then shut the door on him, but I thought he had a very sprightly performance but it was also selfless because he played like a defensive winger and 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 it was just a job he had to do guys can i ask you all who you thought was your man of the match because there were so many good performances <laughs> that it is hard to choose and uh, you know we've just had quite a long chat about the game and i'm not sure that this person's name has come up yet which is amazing because I think he was my man of the match. And and I and I'm completely in agreement with Amy. Uh Adrian, I'm assuming you would feel the same way. Well, you haven't even said the name, but I'm assuming it's Declan Rice. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, is yeah. Rice. <laughs> it is, of course it's Declan <laughs> Rice. I mean 90% pass accuracy, four ground duels yeah. one. 
Some of the best tackles we've seen at the Emirates in the last 10 years, as far as I'm concerned, uh, particularly the one in the second half when he chased back and took the ball. That uh, was brilliant. Uh, beautiful yeah. mm. sliding tackle, a clean tackle, and then gave it to Gabriel Martinelli. Uh, cleared one off the line, key passes, clearances, the lot. I mean, we talk about him once in a while. We, we actually sort of have refrained from it from the last couple of weeks. Uh, Adrian, if there is such a thing as a £105 million bargain, we've got one, right? <laughs> yeah, it, this is exactly the match that he was signed for, isn't it? This this is what we brought him in to play. And obviously we haven't talked about really the change. We, we did have Rice and Jorginho effectively as that, as a two. So again, it was a little sign of respect from, from Mikel Arteta to adapt. But yeah, no, he was outstanding. And yeah, the clearance off the line, the tackles. I think within the first 20 minutes, he'd made three interceptions. Yeah, he was superb. And and what you'll see, if you looked at his uh, defensive contributions, whether it was interceptions, tackles, ball recoveries, they're all down the central spine of the pitch, almost all within the width of the goals, actually. That, they're that central. With him and Jorginho there and with Partey and Saliba behind, that is the cornerstone of our performance. Gabriel and Saliba. Yeah, Gabriel and Saliba, Gabriel sorry, and Saliba. yeah. That is the cornerstone of our of our team, isn't it? And and those four did a great job. But yeah, in the immediate aftermath, just with my eyes, I'd said afterwards, I said, look, it's, it's between Rice and Saliba for me, but I think I'd give it just to Rice. That That's what I said afterwards. And I'd probably just stick with that. I don't think this is a game that Arsenal could have won without Declan Rice. Guy next to me sat in the ground yesterday said, I think we've got our new Vieira. Is that a bit much? Or, I mean, I know it's early days, Amy, but... What a player we've got. And I mean, he's training with better players and he's playing it and he, he just looks so strong in there and he looks like he's risen to the to the occasion. His chest is out further. He looks so happy to be there. Is that hyperbole, do you think? I mean, I'm just passing on what he said. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 can, I can see where that's coming from. I, I, I would refrain from going quite there yet. But then it's it's such a high bar for me. I'm, you know, Vieira to me, I've never seen a player like him, period. But I do think there are things that Declan Rice does that reminds me a bit of, of what Vieira that tackle. could do. And I think, yeah, I think it's that thing where I always used to feel with Vieira that, that his speciality, his, his kind of trademark move that I didn't see anywhere else was how he could stretch his leg and get the tackle in and be moving up and passing the ball all in one move. It wasn't like broken down to, you know, different components of win the ball, get up, pass it. He seemed to do it all in one. And I think that there's something about Rice's kind of, he's got a very powerful stride. He's got great awareness and he's very, very determined, competitive but also wants, you know, wants to play good quality football and dominate. So they do share some characteristics. We wouldn't have won this game without Declan Rice. I, I'm, I'm, I'll endorse that comment from from Amy. I don't. I think he is, he is the difference maker. You, you think he's good now, Stony? A couple of years time, he'll be even better. I'm pretty confident yeah. of that. Um, with the coaching, yeah. with his understanding of the game, it's going to increase his confidence wearing the badge, his experience in top level. Big six Champions League matches will, will, will be that much greater as well. I think by the time he's 26, 27, he's just going to be uh, phenomenal. 
Very, very exciting. One more. David Raya. I mean, there was quite a lot of nervousness in the first 15. And, by the way... Just a bit. Just a bit. And, by the way, in the second half, when he cleared the ball, uh, and I think, was it Julian Alvarez or Rico Lewis coming in? And I think I think he lifted it over his leg as he came in. Oh, my God, my heart was in my mouth. But that was, by the way, a 60-yard pass right to Gabriel Jesus, right on his foot. I know there's a sort of weird feeling because of Rambo and the way it worked out. Amy, I sense that when he misplaces a pass, there's a there's a sort of oh Rambo would have would have <laughs> pinged that one perfectly. But it's the way that Mikel Arteta wants to play, and David Raya allows Arsenal to play that way better than Aaron Ramsdale. I mean it's harsh, but top level football is harsh. Yeah, I think I think for some people it's gonna take a little bit of getting used to from the kind of fan perspective and also possibly even within the dressing room and the inner circle because it is it is a tough one. Made all the tougher maybe by the fact that Raya, you know, personality-wise, really is incredibly different to Aaron Ramsdale and it was easy to feel like Rambo was your best mate and that you loved him within about a day. <laughs> you know, he just, he just oozed that sort of likability factor that, you, you know, you warm to. And I, I feel, people, I think it, feel, it feels like I don't really know who Riot is. I don't know, you know, his personality or he doesn't show that much on the pitch. And obviously playing this kind of slightly slow, risky game, it, it, you know, is definitely taking a bit of getting used to as well. But it's very obvious that for Mikel Arteta, it, he's his man now. And I, I found it hard watching Rambo go round and do the lap of honour at the end. And I think everybody was trying to give him a, you know, as much obvious support as they could. But it, it's it's hard to imagine how difficult it is at the moment for him. But you have to, I suppose, as a fan, we have to uh, accept that the manager is not managing on sentiment and he has his very firm ideas and I think he will always, if he thinks there's 0.5% of a improvement to be made somewhere, he will make a, a difficult call. And we've just beat Man City 1-0 at home, Adrian. Yeah. I mean, in the end, you can't argue with that. You can't, no. <laughs> it did make... I did... Nick Bryant, the present, you know, presenter of the Breakdown Live, who was sat next to me in the game. <laughs> After about 20 minutes, I said... Because David Rye was a bag of nerves, wasn't he? He was really nervous at the start of the game. You could see it. I said, you know, Mikel said he, he wasn't afraid to sub a keeper. <laughs> today the day yeah. and, and I said it because I meant it at the time he, he looked like he was yeah mentally not not in a great place I, he's not used to it he's not used to playing in these huge matches where the world is watching you know that Arsenal v Man City the two best teams in England two best teams in the Premier League that is a global match it's watched by billions mm-hmm. and he's just not been involved in those kind of spectacles before and yeah, I worried for him at, uh, at one point, but then he did get over it. And I think that that is a really good sign that how he calmed himself down. And in the end, he looked much more confident and there were no issues. And he was well protected, wasn't he? Fewest shots by any Pep Guardiola side since 2010, when he was at Barcelona. 
So it's incredible. It, you know, it's an incredible shots. stat that, isn't it, really? They didn't have a shot after the 58th minute. We defended so well in front of him. We protected him big time. I quite like the luring them on tactic. Like, I know it will cost us the odd goal here and there, but <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot of teams do it and, and I think it, it can pay off. Yeah, I mean, I get, I mean, I watch Brighton do it. I get nervous watching them. <laughs> They're not even my team. I just think, oh my God, everything's happening in the six yard box. It's a bit too much for me. Maybe the young fans that this will be like how it is for them they because everyone does it this way uh it was a bit, it all kicked off in the tunnel afterwards or slightly outside the tunnel Carl Walker and Nicholas Jovert had a bit of an altercation and Pep Guardiola said, I know what this is about, but I'm not saying. There's obviously a bit of history going on. They are rattled though, aren't they? Sorry, Amy, you want to say something? You know what this is about as well. Just reminding me of, um, God, it was years ago. There was a, a, a when Liverpool were top dogs and Arsenal played Liverpool and I think beat them 4-0 one, uh, one year. And uh, John Barnes got really moody uh, and there was a bit of... A bit of uh, Atmosphere, let's just say, and I think I remember the whole North Bank singing, "Just because you're losing, just because you're losing." Sort of reminded me of that when City sort of got, you know. Harlan's face was a picture. Didn't take it very well, did they? They're not used to it. They didn't take it. Harlan's face was a picture. They didn't take it very well at all. They're going to have to get used to it when they play us, though. Well, it reminded me of the old Arsenal Man United rivalry. It'd be good to renew that, wouldn't it? I miss those days. I miss the days of the aggro. Oh, a bit of needle. Yeah, Yeah, and that fight in the tunnel before the game. That's what we want now. I love it. But it shows shows how far we come that we can can actually um, rile them these days. It's great. It's, just, it's almost as pleasing as the goal itself, just to see them rattled like that. I love it. Absolutely brilliant day. Uh, more of that, please, Arsenal. Let's have a song to finish. Adrian, I'm going to come to you first. What have you got yeah, for us? It's, um, yeah, before the game, we had we had a couple of um, boxers in. It was fantastic. And then we had, um, we had the Mercury Prize winners in, uh, Ezra Collective. Sort of a jazz band, you know. They're, they're jazz, sort of, but good though. Yeah, but really good, really good. And, yeah. and they've broken, but they've broken ground, haven't they? They're a little bit trailblazers. They're, they're a fantastic yes. band. Anyway, um, Femi and TJ came in, and their brothers. And Femi says, oh, he said, this is a bit of a fanboy moment for me because. He said, I'm, I'm always listening to you on Handbrake Off. I love it, man. <laughs> like that. <laughs> so it was brilliant. Family, thanks, I, I man. I couldn't believe That's it. That's very, very nice of you to I say that. I couldn't believe it. So it was, it was really nice of him to say that. And I was just going through some of their songs this morning, and they've only gone and got one. Victory Dance is one of the new ones. So I think that's quite an apt one. I dedicated it to Femi for, for the shout-out and the love for the pod. appreciated Amy what you got I stumbled upon a band called the Mad Tones just a sort of ska reggae kind of thing and there's a song called Worth the Waiting and uh, that Mad City win when it came was really worth the wait <laughs> but you're right. I've got two, actually. We could either either have uh, Finally by C.C. Peniston, because finally beat him, or At Last, or At Last, I should say. This is American. Uh, Etta James. At last, 
games lucky 13 we finally beat Manchester City 1-0 absolutely beautiful uh, that's it for handbreak off thank you so much for listening thanks to Amy thanks to Adrian and thanks to Jay our producer we'll see you after the international break I'm sure it'll be a good one ta-ra ta-ra